Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Sam Denmead and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TICT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there's now more than 100 episodes of Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts. Or you can simply stream them on the TICT website at tict.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and Pakana and TICT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders past and present, for their enduring care and management of these islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner Moobrew. Moobrew is the official beer of the Tasmanian tourism industry. Inspired by the art, creativity and innovation of Mona, the Moobrew range of contemporary lagers and ales are brewed in Tasmania and designed to be enjoyed while experiencing all the state has to offer. Thanks to Moobrew for their generous support of TICT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. Now, let's get into today's conversation with... Hello, Kate. This is Kate Rickwood and she's Secretary of the Young Tourism Network. Hi, Sam. How's it going? I'm great. Thanks for Excellent. being here. Yeah, very Do you mind if here. I do a little intro for you? Go for it. Okay. So Kate is uh, not only the Secretary of the Young Tourism Network, she's also the Coordinator of Insights and Communications at Victoria Tourism Industry Council or VTIC, our TICT equivalent across the ditch in Victoria. Welcome to Tassie. Thank you. So Kate's an experienced communications coordinator with a demonstrated history of working in local government and regional tourism organisations across Victoria, managing key projects in research, marketing, communications and industry development. Kate is also passionate about amplifying the tourism industry's young voices and has sat on the Young Tourism Network Committee for eight years and she's also delivered several youth development programs for VTIC. Welcome, Kate, to Talking Tourism. Yes, thanks, Sam. Your so young voice is very welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually uh, a bit older than I look, but I'll I'll take the young professional for as long as I can. Absolutely, I think. <laughs> absolutely, milk that. Um, so I have a few questions for you. I'd love to know a bit more about the Young Tourism Network. Yeah, so we're primarily Victorian based. So we're a 17 year old network. So started in 2005. We have about 160 members across Victoria and they're students and young professionals that are working in the industry. And I've been asked this a bit over the past couple of days is about an age limit. So there's no age limit. So if if you've studied tourism later in life and you're new to the industry, if you want to be involved, we're happy to have you. So we've got a committee of 13 as well. So they all work in the industry or study and then this is kind of a voluntary role for them. And so we've got people who, we've got someone who runs their own business. We've got people at local government, state government, even federal government, regional tourism boards. There's a a wide range of people who make up the committee that volunteer committee. Yeah. And uh, as you know, TICT looks after a a young professionals network here in Tassie. So I guess we'd love to know how you do things differently. Is there anything that we could learn from you? Yeah. So being 17 years old, I guess there's a lot that we 
have been through and a lot of different things we do. And we're kind of moving into a bit of a new space now where we're advocating for young people. So previously it was more about the events and professional development. And we're really well set up now. As I said, there's 13 on the committee. Everybody has a specific role. So we've got a chair, deputy chair, and we've got people who do social media, people who run our events. So it's really well set up. We've got good systems and things. And I've been speaking to a few of your young tourism professional network people and happy to share as much information as they need, yeah. That's good. I see Victoria and Tasmania do collaborate really well on things too. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Well, so you're here primarily because you were part of a group that led the Young Voices in Tourism report. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us what inspired the report and why did you feel it was important to engage with young people in the industry and understand their their thoughts? Sure. So during COVID, we had a number of online forums. And so Young Tourism Network kind of were running a couple for young professionals and also regeneration projects. You mentioned um, earlier, you know, Matt Sykes, who's Mm ex-Tasmanian. Now we're lucky to have him in Victoria. You are lucky. Yeah. (laughs) So um, he was running a few discussion sessions as well, kind of every fortnight, just Um, young professionals coming together, talking about what's happening. There were quite a few Tasmanians in those discussions as well. And yeah, just seeing what was happening in the different states and how we're all coping, the issues and how we're responding to things. And from that, we noticed that a lot of people were leaving the industry that's either being stood down or being made redundant or choosing to leave as well. And there were a lot of conversations being had at higher levels about young people and, you know, they're just happy at home getting JobKeeper and they don't want to come back and contribute. And we we didn't really agree with that. So we thought we need some data here to see what young people actually think about the industry and where they actually are at this point in time. So when you mentioned the report, um, Young Tourism Network released it in March 2021. So it's been a bit of time since then, but there have been a few things in Victoria that have happened, um, which I'm sure we'll get into Mm -hmm. in a bit. Absolutely. And so the report, as you said, was released last year. So tell me, what are the sort of things you asked and what were the key findings? Probably shouldn't go any further without thanking Matt Sykes from Regeneration Projects and Hugh Fitzpatrick from Austrade. So they were part of the project team that helped uh, bring this report together. So we received 200 responses, which was really good. So We kind of say it's a pilot study, but a a good launching pad, I guess, to have those discussions with leaders in the industry and industry bodies as well. So we broadly asked how people felt in throughout 2020, um, young tourism professionals and students as well, how they felt being in the industry in 2020. That was broadly it and what their perceptions were of the industry. So some of the findings were the the one that really stuck out for us was that more young people would dissuade someone from entering the industry. So essentially they would not recommend that people take the same study and work options that they had themselves. So that was quite shocking for us. And I'll just run through a few other other points that came out, key things. So only 28% believed that young people were fairly treated in tourism in Australia. Uh, 74% felt that young people experienced similar or poor outcomes than other tourism workers in 2020. Uh, 26% believe young people have a strong voice in Australian tourism. And 
we saw that 98% regard growth opportunities and career progression as very or extremely important. As well, 94% said working for an ethical company is very or extremely important. And in terms of sustainability, the respondents ranked sustainability as nine out of 10 as its importance in terms of Australian tourism. So yeah, those are kind of the top level things that came out for us. Awesome. I want to pick up on many of those. I think we need to unpack a couple of them at least. Um, I'm interested in the first comment you made about the report finding that only 28% of young people surveyed believe that young people were fairly treated in tourism. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an idea about what that means? What do you think people were were inferring about being fairly treated? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that wasn't particularly surprising for us. If you think of young people, they're most likely to be the people at the front line. So they're likely to be casualised. They're the most likely to be stood down and to be made redundant as well, as I mentioned before. So I guess during the pandemic, there's not really much that could actually be done about that. The businesses needed to do what they needed to do to survive. So now we're I guess, paying a bit more attention to this cohort. And now after getting rid of so many of these people, the businesses are screaming to get them back. So, you know, it's all about how do we actually get these people back into tourism? How do we invest in their growth? And how do we embrace what they've got to give us? Yeah. So in saying that the, the some of the people who feel like they've been unfairly treated often the the work that they're doing is of a casual nature or a part-time. Is that age-based or is that, do you think, across the board? Like, do you think that's just a young person feeling? I'd say maybe a little bit more young person just because that's where most people start in the industry is those frontline workers. But it, it would be across different age groups as well, maybe just not as pronounced. Yeah, cool. Another thing I wanted to pick up on is something you said about that people want to work for ethical companies and you've said almost 95% of the young people that were surveyed said that working for an ethical company is very or extremely important and sustainability was rated as 9 out of 10 in terms of importance, important to the tourism industry. So I think that's something I'd love to hear a bit more about. So do you think ethical and sustainable practices are more important to young people? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it's more important to young people, but we have seen research in the past that that kind of ethical practices and sustainability and values-based work is more important to younger generations than it has been to the generations before us. So when we asked as well about the importance of sustainability in these young professionals in their personal life, they rated as 8.6 out of 10. So it's really important in their personal life as well. So it's no wonder that it's going to be important through their work too. So there's there's quite a lot happening in the industry in terms of sustainability. And when we talk about sustainability, it's not just environmental sustainability, it's, you know, community, people and place and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how we, we didn't, we purposely didn't define it in the report because it is different to a lot of people, but broadly speaking, it is more than just environment. So yeah, we did find we do know that there's a lot of people and businesses doing things in terms of sustainability, but it's not nece- they're not necessarily yelling, like shouting from the rooftops saying what they're doing. So businesses need to think about where people can find what they're doing on sustainability. Is it on their website? Are they putting it in their job ads to attract people who really align to the same values that the business does? Um, 
Yeah, so it's an interesting interesting point, but that was definitely the number one thing that young people, students and professionals wanted sustainability. And it was a good shout out actually to any operators that are listening to this to remind potential employees of the sustainable practices that they do do. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of people do think that they operate a sustainable business but don't necessarily share that with as loudly as they could. So yeah. is that one of the takeouts you would suggest? Yeah, from this? we found that even, for example, STO was doing amazing stuff in this space, but they just weren't communicating it enough to the industry. So we even did a webinar with them where they presented to the industry about what they were actually doing. So, yeah. Cool. That's a really good takeout, I think. Um, okay. So another one I wanted to talk about was nearly all young people surveyed regarded growth opportunities and career progression as extremely important. Mm -hmm. So what do you see uh, as the opportunities for the industry to leverage that just for the the benefit of both the employee, the the industry uh, and the employee as the young person? Yeah, so it was more important than income and sustainability. So businesses really need to invest in young professionals' growth and in their career development and really put that effort into them. And I was speaking, I've been speaking to a few operators over the past couple of days and they've been saying, you know, a lot of our casuals, they only stay five months, so why should we bother training them? And, you know, there's that old adage that <laughs> what if you don't train them and they stay? <laughs> so um, it's very important to do that. And we need to, I guess, let people know what the pathway, what pathways there are, so how they can, what training there is, education, upskilling, and also the mentorship. So we need to be attracting people, first of all, to study tourism. And then we need to make sure that we're engaging them in the industry while they're studying tourism. And then we, one of the most important things that I think is we need to funnel them directly into the industry. So we need to make sure that everybody who studies tourism ends up with a tourism job at the end of their degree. That's really important. Excellent. And is that something that, that the Young Tourism Network is is working with the educators to, to, to make happen? Like is the university part of what you're doing? Yeah, we have partnerships with uh, four or five unis and TAFEs in Victoria, um, Young Tourism Network does. So we work really closely with them. We go to all their open days. We do a lot of presentations to their classes and make sure that there's that engagement with industry. Um, but there's also broader ideas down the track about certain things like a graduate program for tourism. We see that a lot in industries such as healthcare and a lot of other industries. So if we want to make tourism a more professional industry, why don't we have something like that for our new graduates to get some experience? Sounds like an excellent idea. So I just want to revisit that point you made about what if you don't train them and they stay. What would you say to the operators out there that that have that kind of thought process around, I don't want to train, I don't want to spend money and time and effort in training young people up because they're just going to leave anyway. What would you say to those operators? Well, they're still going to stay in the industry, hopefully. So they're going to go to perhaps a complementary business to yours and you want them to be giving good service down the road as well because those visitors are going to go to both businesses. So you've really got to um, make sure that you put in the effort and, you know, you've got to support your staff and it doesn't matter if they leave, you know that you've done the best to train them and to build the industry as a whole. And would you think it would be a bit of a short, a short-term opinion really to, to have that? I don't want to train them because they might leave. I think maybe if you flipped it and turned it into, well, if you do train them and become an employer of choice, you'll get the, the good people wanting to come and work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you see things like, I mean, it's 
not very good in the news at the moment about Maccas, but previously they've had a really good uh, reputation for how they train their staff and businesses say, I want to employ someone who's worked at Maccas because I know what the training's like. So it could be similar to that. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what size business you are. You could Every operation, every business out there could actually implement a really good employer of choice mindset and, and look at young people as not necessarily going to be here for the rest of their life, but mm-hmm. you give them a pathway and then you become a, an employer that people want to work for. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So it, it's one thing to survey and report on all those areas of consideration and priority, but it's quite another to action change towards a healthier, more attractive industry. We've just talked about a couple of examples. What are some of the key actions that have come out of the report and are any of the actions that you've suggested or recommendations you've suggested, are they now underway? Yeah, so there's been quite a bit. I think we're nearly 18 months since the report was released. So we've actually presented it to Tourism Industry Councils, SCOs, Austrade, Tourism Australia, industry conferences, and we've even presented at a conference in Europe. So there's a lot of appetite for this kind of information not only in Victoria, but nationally and even internationally. So some of the things that in Victoria that have come from this is that at VTIC, uh, since the research, the VTIC board has appointed the Young Tourism Network chair to our policy advisory council. So this is our key group that provides policy advice to the VTIC board. And that's an ongoing position for whoever the chair of the day is at Young Tourism Network. So that's a really great opportunity to have young voices heard amongst those industry leaders. And uh, YTN as well, as I mentioned at the top, we're going into a bit more of advocacy for young people. So we've been asked to provide um, our feedback and input to things like Austrade's Thrive 2030 strategy. Also, Victoria's going through a visitor economy master planning process at the moment. So we've contributed to that. And there will be also a tourism jobs summit in Canberra later this month. And we've been invited to present on behalf of young people. So, so that kind of stuff's really great. And then probably the biggest thing that's happened, which kind of came to fruition last month, was that the Victorian state government have supported Young Tourism Network to deliver a Young Leaders Development Program. Emerging Young Leaders Development Program is the official name. And so that's going to be a seven-week program for 50 participants and they don't necessarily need to be studying or working in tourism. They could just have an interest or be wanting to move into our industry. And based on the report, we've kind of shaped the topics and Regeneration Projects is actually delivering that for us. And so it will cover topics such as caring for country, tackling climate change, celebrating diversity, eliminating waste and empowering young people. And then the final kind of piece to that bit of funding is that we're going to do an extension of this Young Voices in Tourism research because quite a bit has happened since March 2021. So we want to make sure we're delivering the program to the needs of young people today. Fantastic. It all sounds uh, incredibly topical. Um, our Premier today just made a statement saying that the work workforce and jobs development is one of the key priorities for tourism at the moment. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you would like to finish up with that we, you know, any suggestions that we could do better from an operator, industry or government level? I would like to flip it a little bit because in the report we do give all that, um, those recommendations for those kind of, I guess, three key areas. But in terms of young people, I'd really like to say to young people that 
what you have to contribute is really valuable. So make sure if there's any consultation processes from government or anything, make sure you're putting your ideas forward because you really need to have your voice heard because the industry of tomorrow is going to be what's created today. You're going to be delivering those services. So you really need to be part of what's being created. Kate Rickwood, thank you so much for all that. That was fantastic. Um, I really appreciate you talking to us. However, we have to move on to the next part of the chat we're having, which is the uh, Big Seven. Yep. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one of the initiatives that has been introduced to Talking Tourism is the Big Seven. So, and everyone's going to judge you more on this than anything else. The first question for you, Kate, is what's your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? Okay, it might be a bit cliche, but I just cannot beat this. So I've been to Tassie, I would say, between 15 and 20 times. But on one of my first trips, did Wine Glass Bay. And, you know, you hike over, went over the top, and there was a whale in the bay. So (laughs) I just have not been able to beat that since it was pretty magical moment. That would be magical. Yeah. yeah. All right, tick for that one. Yep. Um, okay, so favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? So a couple of years ago, 2019, I went to Greece and perhaps not so popular is the mainland. I loved it. A lot of people told me don't spend too much time there, but it was awesome. We stayed at a little farm stay, went hiking with goats every day and yeah, just did a big road trip kind of south to north, so, yeah. Sounds very cool. Yeah. Good experiences. It sounds like you know Tasmania quite well. So someone coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives, like your colleague you were telling me about, asks you what's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here. What do you tell them? I would say Tassie road trip, yeah. I've done quite a few road trips, mainly east coast, but, yeah, you've got to do the Tassie road trip, stop in everywhere along the way, all the producers and see all the little towns and, yeah, must do. Good plan. Um, Have you heard of the Overland Trek? Yes. Yeah, okay. So (laughs) let's say that you're walking the Overland Trek, takes five days, um, with three other people, anyone in the world, Mm -hmm. famous, not so famous, living or dead, who would they be and why? Okay, well, firstly I have to say living because my upper body strength is not good so I wouldn't be able to carry a dead body (laughs) I don't know but yes I would have to take my husband he really wants to do the overland track and uh, someone else I would take is Bo Miles do you know Bo Miles tell us he is a filmmaker adventurer lives in Gippsland in Victoria awesome guy look him up on YouTube watch his videos very good so I think between them they would keep me alive And then I'd need someone for a bit of fun. So I would take my colleague, Michelle King, who I sit next to at work, and she makes me laugh all day, every day. So, yeah, I think we'd have a pretty good time, the four of us. Thank you. That sounds awesome fun. If I could tag along, I wouldn't make you carry me. (laughs) I would join you. (laughs) Okay, so you're road tripping around Tasmania, which was what you suggested to your friend. What are you listening to in the car? Well, I'm a bit of a closet Swifty, so I'd have to say Taylor Swift, yeah, all the way. Lots of albums to listen to, so that would get me through. You'd, you'd need a fair fair few of her albums to get around Tasmania. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. And when you arrive at your destination, what's your tipple of choice? Well, as a non-drinker, I'm someone who walks in the door and needs a cup of tea yeah. <laughs> straight away. So I'm sure you've got some nice Tassie teas here that I can try. Absolutely. So, yeah. We've got some nice kombucha and juices oh, and all that. Excellent, yep. You'll be fine. <laughs> and the last big one, the big debate around Tasmania 
Is it curried Tasmanian scallops? Are they a culinary delight or a culinary crime? I think I would have to pass on the scallops. Yeah, no. No, no scallops at all? No. Leave them to me. I'll have your share okay, then. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism and thank you, Kate, Secretary of the Young Tourism Network, for your time today. Remember, listeners, to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. Uh, Remember to tell a friend or a tourism colleague to check out our podcasts if you've enjoyed today. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner Moobrew. A big thanks also to Caleb Miller at Mac40, our ever-enduring audio specialist who produces these episodes. I'm your host, Sam Denmead, and we'll catch up another time on Talking Tourism. 